On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio. I have something to say to you! Here's your host. The issue here, sir, is that everyone fucking hates you. Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Give us a follow there and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now got a great show today looking forward to chatting with our buddy aj jackie beck is back here today the voice of the ottawa red blacks what's happening aj oh great to be here i've already broken uh, protocol i've already cracked my beer <laughs> before uh we've we've begun here but uh always great to be with you matt and this one's a good one i had a sip already a little uh cockadoodle brew from nita supporting locals so yes yeah they're Good super times. local, just like uh, it's like a four minute block from here. So, oh, or a nice. four minute walk, a couple blocks from here. So, yeah, uh, love their stuff. I'm going to have the same thing. I don't remember if I've had this one before or not. This is a coffee blonde ale, yeah, called Cockadoodle Brew. Uh, what do you think on your first pull there? It's very good. Like, you had a pretty full fridge there. And there are a lot of good options, some which I've had, some which I was debating to try. But I knew, like, I've had the Nita coconut beer. And it's fantastic. Yes. And generally, if they make one good beer that you like, you're you're probably going to like a few of the others. So it's true. Yeah, so far so good. And the coffee's not as one. strong on this one as I kind of expected with it being right there in the name. Like you're getting a hint of it, but some of the coffee stouts I drink, right, it's pretty overpowering the the coffee flavor. This is, I don't know, you're almost getting like a vanilla with it too, yeah. or something. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, what's new, AJ? We're gonna we got lots to talk to here. We're gonna ask you about all kinds of things. But uh, what's new in the world of AJ since we've last had you in here? Oh well, geez, since you in the last year, new or like in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, why don't we just start with a couple of weeks? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just busy season, right? This is uh, it used to be like oh three to oh seven when I when I worked here, and really my entire radio career until. Basically, football and soccer came back on the scene in Ottawa professionally. Your busy season, like, and, and for a lot of people, their busy season is September to, like, April, May, right? Right. Hockey season. Uh, 67 Senators, all that. But now, you know, I went from, you know, in 2011, when John Abbott moved to Toronto and eventually Vancouver and now working on TSN and doing a great job. Shout out to my old roomie and... Really? Um, hey, I didn't know you guys were roommates. Yeah, That's cool. we were for a year. Johnny and then at the same time, Scotty MacArthur yes. was doing the uh, the Sens 
pre and post game show and moved on to bigger and better things in, in Toronto and shout out to Scotty Mack as well. I know he's been, uh, I think he's on back on before. Yeah. He's doing, I think news talk now in yeah, Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when they moved, I was kind of given the choice. Okay. Do you want to do sends pre and post or do you want to do 67's play by play? And I said, well, what if I tried both? And basically someone filled in on the 67's game nights when I couldn't do it. And so for those years, 2011, 12, 12, 13, 13, 14, I was really busy during hockey season, right? And right. your off season would be in the summer. All of a sudden it flip-flopped and now I've, you know, I'm not doing 67's anymore. It was a good run with junior hockey, loved it for a long time, but you know, you get tired of riding the bus and that sort of thing. And so Kenny Walls is doing a great job on that. Yep. Do a little bit of sends pre and post basically once a week, but you know, beyond the afternoon show, the drive with Lever Sage that we do two to six every day on mm-hmm. TSN 1200, it's basically Red Blacks, it's Atletico Ottawa and it's Blackjacks and those seasons are basically now until the end of the summer into the fall for football and soccer, but it is uh, a busy time, but it's a good, I, I like being busy. Busy is good for me. Love calling games and, and just to have this many professional sports, right? I mean, there's three teams that in 2013 weren't here. That's right. We didn't yeah. have pro soccer, pro basketball or pro football. And, you know, along with hockey, those are my four favorite sports. Don't ask me the order. There isn't an order. It's like asking someone their favorite kids. Sure. um, Yeah, just to to be involved in all three is pretty awesome. It's good being busy. Let's put it that way. Well, before the busy time of the year had crept back in, I saw on your your social media there, you were doing uh, one of the great things when we have you in is you normally have road stories. You've been traveling. (laughs) You've been back on the road again. You've been following the Canadian men's national team. Where you been? What have you seen? Yeah, and that's going back a year, right? Because basically, I mean, August on, that's when I first started traveling again, period. Mm -hmm. No, I did travel. I was able to get to the Canadian Premier League bubble in 2020 in PEI. I can tell you a lot of stories about that. (laughs) Good, bad, and indifferent. No, it was a great time. It was really (laughs) great experience for me doing that in, in Charlottetown. But yeah, once August got kicking around again last year, Started traveling with the Red Blacks again, which was fantastic. But, you know, making some other trips, went to Whitehorse, which was great because I've done all 10 provinces. So I wanted to do the territories as well and Hmm. was able to get a couple of days in Whitehorse, which was a fantastic place. Yeah. Really loved it there. And sun then, probably didn't go down if you were there in the summer, right? Isn't that... In a, is it, it, uh, I was there in the fall. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. I was there in September last year. So right. yeah, it was, it was normal. It wasn't like it was 23-hour days or anything <laughs> like that, but uh, no, really cool place to go. But then, yeah, with, with Canada qualifying finally, never mind for the World Cup, they qualified finally for the last group right. in CONCACAF, which they hadn't done since 1998. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm going to try and get to as many games as possible. So of the 14 qualifiers, I got to six of the seven home games. The only one I missed was a night where Atletico Ottawa were playing at home opposite Canada El Salvador in Toronto. So I was kind of mad that I ended up missing that one, but got to the others in Toronto, went to the one in Hamilton, went to the two. The two in Edmonton happened to be on a Red Blacks bye week. So that was perfect timing. Oh, gorgeous. 
for me to go back home and spend time with my parents and go to the two games dubbed at the Ice Teca when they <laughs> I love played that. That was... Mexico and Costa Rica in the cold. Yeah. But on the road got to uh speaking of the Ice Teca, got to the Azteca, which was for me bucket list item. Like right. big soccer fan, you, you want to talk iconic stadiums in the world. Like that's where the 1970 and 1986 World Cup final were played and basically the greatest team of all time with Pele and his last hurrah in a World Cup, 1970 Brazil, won it in Mexico City in that stadium. And then 1986, probably the best individual performance ever in a World Cup by Diego Maradona, basically uh, carrying Argentina <laughs> to the title. Um, so, yeah, just to, to be in that stadium was cool. And You feel all right? Was it aggressive? That, like, were you wearing Canadian no, stuff or did you try and no, blend in? No, yeah. I uh, – so – yeah, kind of a stupid story, but <laughs> I uh, I asked for immediate accreditation. Oh yeah, did not hear from him. And then when I went down there, I didn't get my phone changed over. So basically, I was reliant on Wi Fi. Yeah. Well, didn't really hear anybody hear from anybody. So I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm on this list or not, mm-hmm. but I'm going to the game. Yeah, and as I'm driving, like basically. It said on my Uber, I believe the game was at like 8.20. So I called for an Uber at 5.45, and it said it was about a 45-minute trip. So I thought, okay, good. I'll be there 6.30, maybe 7 o'clock at the latest. Well, two hours later, (laughs) I'm in traffic wondering, okay, do I even have a media pass? I have no idea. So I saw someone selling tickets on the street while I was in my Uber. Yep. Rolled down the window, couldn't speak Spanish. But well, how many Mexican up, pesos is this? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And ended up being, what, 500 Mexican pesos? Do you know your pesos? Is I do not like, at all, no. I think that was like 30 bucks Canadian, whatever all right, it was. All right, yeah. So I got my ticket, basically in the car, walked up. Then I didn't have to worry about, okay, where is the media entrance? Yeah. Okay, and then am I on the list? And I don't speak Spanish very well, so. Sure. Worst comes to worst, I'm at least in the building. Yeah, in the so stadium. I was in the building. And definitely not wearing red. (laughs) Did not want to bring any attention to myself. But uh, yeah, awesome experience. Um, Didn't see any other Canadians there. There might have been some there, Mm -hmm. but didn't see it. They were trying to blend in too. Yeah. And it was cool. I mean, just to see Canada get a point there. Like, it's one thing to go and you say, okay, yeah, I'm here at the Azteca Stadium and wasn't that Canada's first point there in again, like in 30, 40 years or something like that? In a long time, yeah. yeah. I'd have to look back and see exactly what it was. But yeah, really cool to kind of see your team, right? And for for me, Canada is my team in in everything. Yeah. Pretty patriotic guy. I love cheering (laughs) for Canada and whatever. But to see them in men's soccer go into Mexico where they're the CONCACAF power Mm -hmm. and have been and get a deserved point. I, I think, man, it was fantastic, but can't say enough good things about Mexico city. Awesome place. Spent a couple of days there. And then, you know, the other trips were El Salvador and Costa Rica. And I'll go to the third one first, okay. which was Costa Rica. And that was the one where Canada had a chance. All they needed was a point to clinch their, spot in the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. There were hundreds of Canadians there, probably 
I don't know, were there a thousand? Maybe, hard to say. There are certainly hundreds. Went to a pregame party with a couple hundred people. But even beyond the diehards, right? Yeah. There were a lot of people that were just down there on vacation that said, you know what, we're going to the game. That's cool. Not even big soccer fans that were Canadians. So, yeah, there were a lot of Canadians there. It was, uh, you know, unfortunate they ended up losing that game, but still a pretty cool experience to see Canada away with that type of support. Mm -hmm. But for me, the road highlight, even more than going to the Azteca Stadium, which was top five bucket list item for me, um, was going to El Salvador. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, I had never been to, like a lot of the countries that I've been to, I've been to 32 now. Wow. And most of the countries are Europe and, you know, Canada, the United States. Mexico, you know, Dominican Republic, but but that's, you know, that was a resort. Yeah. Right? Um, On that same trip, I ended up going to Colombia and, and Costa Rica as well. So, you know, you're going to El Salvador and you... I grew up in the eighties. I remember, you know, the, the stories about El Salvador and war and murder and all this type of stuff. Right. And so you read a lot of stuff, but then like I did a lot of digging in terms of just, okay, like what's it really like? Because I'd seen a lot of people go there Mm -hmm. and boy, I, I had a fantastic experience. I, I really did. Like it, it, uh, it really, exceeded my expectations about what it was going to be because, you know, I was expecting some poverty and, and I saw some of that, right? Because what I did, you know, I was there a couple of nights and spent a lot of it in San Salvador, but ended up going to El Tunco on the beach, did a volcano tour. And so, you know, tried to see as much of the city and country as possible. And yeah, you, you see some things that, you, you probably expect to see, yeah, and and you see some different things, right? I mean, even if you go to Europe, you can go to Spain and see people on the street. You know, you can go to with, Toronto with, with you can machine go downtown guns, Ottawa. Right? Well, okay, not machine guns. Yeah, no, I, well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of cops and security, right? right? Okay, you see that type of thing, right? And and you see it outside of bars, right? There's yep. people, security people there in machine guns, and all right, I guess that's how it is, here, right? right? Yeah. But I never. In my and I, I guess it was there three days. It wasn't two. I never in my three days there felt unsafe. The people were so friendly. And then going to the game, which was like okay, you know, you knew going to those Central American countries in particular. Like I did not wear red. I right. wore red to the game in Costa Rica. There's a bunch of Canadians there. Sure, didn't really matter, right? Yeah. yeah. But I did not wear red to that game in El Salvador. And I went to a, I went to the game with a guy who was part of the Voyagers, the Canadian supporter section and he was wearing red and he wore red to the game. And because that window, it was San Pedro Sula in Honduras, then back to Hamilton for the Canada U S game. And then back down to central America again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember the game in San Salvador. So I actually was originally thinking I might do Honduras and El Salvador. I wasn't going to travel to Central America back, to Central no. America and back. Just especially during the pandemic, too much of a pain in the ass to, to get through all the, the hoops <laughs> that you had to at the time. Right. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'd rather go to the game in Hamilton with my buddies against the United States. It's a big game. And I'm glad I did. It was an awesome game. That was the clincher, right? No, that was, but that was a huge game. I mean, they right. beat US 2 0. 
Atakubi scored the goal late and the place erupted. Oh, yeah, okay. And, and you yeah. really knew at that point, okay, this you could taste it at that point. Right, right? yeah. And even going to El Salvador, it was, it was a situation where they actually had a chance to clinch that day, but they needed Canada to win and they needed help. They needed Panama to, to lose their game and mm-hmm. Panama ended up winning their game. So, yeah, the, yeah. the clinching wasn't going to happen, but I, I wasn't going to miss the possible clincher. But so anyways, going to this game in San Salvador. If you have to choose, like skip Honduras. That's been a house of horrors over the years for Canada. <laughs> yeah, but that's part of the reason I wanted to go. Yeah. And I would have been it would have been amazing to see them exercise yes. their demons there like they <laughs> yeah. did in the Jonathan David goal. Right. So anyway, so I'm going to the game and shout out to Pat, a buddy of mine that I met just on this trip. Hmm. And met him through the Voyagers. He went to the game in Honduras. And he was going, he was just backpacking through Central America. Wow. And so he ended up coming to my hotel. We had a guy named Eduardo who was a Salvadoran Canadian hmm. who lives in Ottawa that ended up taking us to the stadium and showing us around. And, and so that certainly helped. Yeah. But when we got to the stadium, I could not believe it because we were a novelty act. <laughs> the amount of people that wanted to come up and say hi Take really? pictures with us. We we must have been we must have posed for fifty pictures. Wow, that day, yeah, you're, it was. It you're was a celeb wild. in El Salvador, it, and and so, like that put me a little bit at ease. That okay, you know what? Even if this goes poorly for El Salvador, and you hope it does, yes, that it's people seem to be good nature. Okay, about I it. think yeah. right. Yeah. You yeah. still had that little bit of um, <laughs> a little bit unsure in the back of my mind, but yeah. And Canada ended up winning 2-0. And look, every time they scored the two goals, mm-hmm. it was a quick, like Pat was to my left and I'd give him a just a quick right. fist bump. There was no like <laughs> getting up and cheering and acting like an idiot. I didn't want to be getting suckered like that lightning fan at MSG. Right. You know. Days ago, right? <laughs> so no, they, they, we had one fan and he, he had come to us before the game and he was super friendly, an older gentleman from El Salvador and he was yelling at us that that uh basically we robbed them because he was mad at the officials or whatever <laughs> and he was serious he was not happy no. and it was like all right okay if that's the worst that happened yes. yeah. to you know from the this friendly older gentleman that was local <laughs> and obviously partial to El Salvador sure. then then great but it was it was pretty cool because not cool for the players but it was a situation they're very hostile towards the players, right, and throwing stuff at them, which yeah. isn't cool, but it's what they do. Yeah, uh, and some of them, and but to us, they were very friendly. So they just wanted to see their team win. Sure, I'd love to actually go see a game there against Mexico because that's who they really don't like. That's the rivalry, and basically, as Eduardo and other people told us, no, you're good in here as long as you're not wearing green. Okay. If you're wearing Mexican <laughs> green in here, you're not going to be very popular. So I'd love to see a game against Mexico in that stadium, but it was still an awesome experience. And, and just the experience of, you know, again, knocking off uh, a couple more countries, went to a couple games in Colombia as well. Loved Colombia, went to Bogota, went to Medellin, which was fantastic or Medellin as they say there. So yeah, no, fantastic. And, and in the summer or sorry, in the spring, Got to uh, Spain and Portugal and and Dublin as well. So <laughs> nice. Knocked a few more spots off the old travel bucket list. It's amazing. Like there's so many places you want to go to, 
And I feel like this year, like I'm already booked for Qatar. Really? You're going, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that that's that is you, you know, when I say top five bucket list, yeah. the Azteca Stadium, I mean that is number one. I don't know what number two is. There's some world hockey championship would be on the list. Sure. I've knocked off a lot of the hockey ones and football ones yeah. and, and stuff and and a lot of the ones in North America. So yeah, it's Copa America, it's Euros, it's um, you know, a few different stadiums like the Maracana in Rio or the La Bombonera in Buenos Aires, the San Siro in Milan, a couple of others, maybe Greece and Turkey to see a game there. But uh, number one on the list has always been uh, see a World Cup with Canada in it and to get the opportunity to go. You don't want so to just wait till it's going to be in Toronto in four years? <laughs> no, I was going like, I mean, I was 11 when it was in Mexico and yep. I rushed home to to see all the games from school. I remember one of them I had to watch uh, on a VCR tape, right? Because the game was in the middle of the day. And sure. Watch it back, uh, you know, on VHS. And, <laughs> oh, I guess we lost 2-0. Okay. it's the way it goes. So, yeah, I always said, whenever Canada goes, I'm going. And, yeah, it happens to be this year. It's in Qatar. And 18 nights there, we're doing two nights in Athens on the way. Gorgeous. And then uh, we'll see if I get to... You know, probably have about four or five days right after the round of 16. Assuming, now if they go further, yeah. if they get to the quarterfinals, like that's where I kind of have to figure out budget, how I you make I'd a make call here. Work. Yeah. But, you know, maybe get to like Turkey, Romania, Bulgaria in a five day stretch before flying home and yeah, start traveling again next year to some of the other places I want to go to, like Japan and Korea. I mean, I've never been to Asia. It will be continent number four for me when I get there in Qatar, but to go to the Far East is really, really high on my list now. And uh, yeah, I mean, travel, it's it's amazing. I mean, when you combine travel and sports, which are, you know, probably my two biggest passions along with food, but food goes along with the travel and all that, then yeah, nothing I like doing more than that so uh well you'll have to come in here after the world cup trip that'll be uh i'm sure you'll have stories coming out of that one what did you make of uh so you said you were at the two in edmonton was it just i'm I'm thinking of the the snowbank celebration there were you at that one oh yeah yeah Yeah. no i was at both of those games the uh i I mean the reality is there are a lot of games that were cold like when i think of those games yeah like costa rica wasn't terrible the uh, Costa Rica home game in Edmonton on November the 12th, like it was around zero, dressed warm enough, but you know, it was still chilly. Yep. Um, I, I dressed really warm. <laughs> like I, I had the good news, like I don't have big boots mm-hmm. here in Ottawa with me, but because I was staying at my parents' place in Edmonton, I wore my dad's big boots. Sure. Yeah. With big woolly socks and couple of pairs and long johns and the works, right? Well, I'm the same way up here. Like I, I have like a pair of like kind of smaller, whatever, like normal size hiking boots that I'll wear in the winter or whatever. But when I went to the winter classic there at the big house in Detroit, I had come from the cottage where I spent the holidays and I took like my snow boots, right? My yeah. snowmobile boots are what made the oh, trip yeah. to that one with me. <laughs> no, you needed the layers for yeah. sure. And, and four of those games were cold because... Those two games in Edmonton were cold, in particular the Mexico game. I mean, you saw the the wild thing was like the Mexican fans, like they're really good. They yep. they're amongst the best in the world in terms of their passion and how they travel. I, I couldn't believe seeing some of the Mexican fans there, how they were dressed. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, 
I'm from here. And, yeah. And I'm wearing this many layers. Like, yeah. you're wearing a jean jacket and, <laughs> and your Mexican jersey. And, oh, a jean right. jacket. You're just trying to fit in in Canada, like, right? Good luck <laughs> you, right? So, exactly. But no, it was, it was cool. And one of the cool experiences of that was going to craft beer market after the game in downtown Edmonton. And just, it was full of Canada fans. And every time the highlights came up, and it was the two goals, the Borean save, Atakubi jumping in the snowbank. The place would go nuts. Yeah. Like it, and it didn't matter if it was the 13th time sure. that it came on the highlights. Every single time the place went nuts. So you could start, you, you can really start to feel the culture change in this country when it comes to soccer. Uh, the Panama game at home was incredible where Davies scored that amazing goal. Up the sideline there. Yeah, and yeah. Which was just phenomenal the atmosphere in there was was great i mean the hamilton game against the u.s was awesome that game was cold as well didn't they clinch in hamilton against somebody no no that was that again they that was a huge game yeah against the united states right they went to el salvador then they went to costa rica where'd they clinch it they they came back and clinched at home against jamaica in toronto yeah okay march yeah and that was cold that day as well right wind that day but it felt you didn't care, right? No. I mean, all those games, you didn't care because, you know, there there was so much excitement. They're kind of once in a lifetime. Like, all, all those games almost felt like a final, right? Sure. Just the... There's something on the line here. The, You're playing the intensity for something. And, yeah. and you could feel the tension and, and just what was on the line and especially how it's been 36 years. And and look, the, the way it's going, it, it's kind of like a one-time thing, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that, now, the next World Cup is going to be in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. We're actually going to find out the hosts here on Thursday. Right. So, all right. So that's the next one. Don't have to qualify You're for in. that one. Yeah. Then beyond that, like, we're, we're going to qualify. There, there's going to be six CONCACAF teams that qualify. And as long as we keep going the same way, we're going to be in the six. Right. There's no way we're not going to be in the six. Because because they're expanding to forty eight teams, yeah. So it's still going to be you're still going to need to go out and you know do Beat the somebody. business, right? Yeah. Get it done, yeah. But in the end, like this is going to be the most memorable qualifying campaign for so many reasons because it hasn't been done in so long because it captured the imagination of of a large part of the. Well, country. that's the thing. Like I'll I'll tell you, this has been a blast for me because I coming into this qualifying round, I was anything but a soccer fan, yeah. right? Like I, I don't, and to this moment, I don't, I've said it before on the show. One of the things that's been so much fun for me about watching this team is I don't pick it apart. Like I do watching a leaf game or whatever, where I go, ah, oh, that guy shouldn't be on the power play or, oh, you should, you know, where you think, you know, something, right. You feel like an expert. Yeah. I fully admit in soccer, I don't know shit. So I watch it the same way I watched hockey as a kid and I'm just excited, right? I'm just following the action. I'm just enjoying it with less, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, 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 more pure enjoyment of it. And it's just brought me in and I don't worry about things that I don't understand. I just watch our guys. And, and I, by the end of this, I wasn't missing any of the games. I had to see it, right? I, it, this absolutely swept me up in a way I never, ever would have expected. And I, it's going to be amazing at the World Cup just because they're the underdog. Yeah. But they have a chance. Like, Belgium and Croatia are both really, really good soccer sides. Mm-hmm. But they're both aging. Now, they've got some fantastic players. I mean, Courtois for Belgium, probably the best goalkeeper in the world. De Bruyne amongst the best players in the world. 
Um, you know, Lukaku's a fantastic striker and on and on and on. I mean, they're, they're good throughout their lineup, whereas Croatia too, not as good as Belgium, but Modric, one of the best midfielders in the world still yeah. at his age at 36. How long can he go for? I mean, we'll wait and see, but it's, it's going to be fun just to see them test themselves against these big nations. I mean, Belgium lost. These are the two nations, Belgium and Croatia, that lost to France in the semifinals and final in the last World Cup. And right. we're in their group. Yep. And, and it's not this feeling of 1986, and I get it, I was 11, but you just knew, okay, well, you're just going to make up the numbers. Yeah. Whereas now you feel like, okay, we're not just going to make up the numbers. We're going to potentially do some damage and, and who knows how it's going to play out. So that, that's the exciting part. And, and look, if they don't end up getting out of the group, you know, it'll be disappointing, but it's not going to be the end of the world. It's probably probably not our time. The odds makers the would case. say you're not getting out of the group, right? Like, Oh, I think there's a very reasonable chance they're getting out of the group. Really? You're an optimist. I like that about no, you. Well, I looked at, there was, uh, the Guardian had the power rankings today for all the different nations. And I think Belgium was eighth mm. and Croatia was like 13th and Canada was 16th. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. 32 teams. Yeah. So they're basically, you know, and I think, I think that's pretty fair. I think, I, I think I'd probably push Canada a little bit further down. Right. But I, I think where Belgium is and where Croatia is, I mean, on your day, Canada can beat anybody on their day. And that's the thing. Like, it's not it's not a team. It's not like Greece. And if you're a Greek soccer fan, I apologize. <laughs> but it's not like Greece in 2004 when they won the Euros by basically boring everyone to death and suffocating teams, you know, kind of New Jersey devil style. <laughs> And winning one nil, one nil, one nil, quarterfinal, semifinal. Hey, they won, right? Yep. They're the European champions. They'll yep. always have that. You can't criticize it. But Canada doesn't have to play that way. They don't have to park the bus and put eleven men behind the ball. No, it seems and, like they're going to try and push and, the pace and hope a bit. for the best. Yeah. No, they they can actually scare teams. Yeah. And and look, they're against a team like Belgium, against a team like Croatia. They'll probably get less of the ball. Right. But that's okay because. Canada is so dangerous on the break, on the counter-attack, and they have so many exciting players like Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David and Tejon Buchanan and Kyle Laren and just players that can can be really scary. I think, you know, Davies has made the best in the world look silly. <laughs> and so I have no doubt, like, when they, when they go there, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Canada's going to have a plan for De Bruyne. They're going to have a plan for Modric. They're going to have, you know, plans for all their, their top players. Um, you know, Hakimi and Mazraoui for, for Morocco even. Those those are world-class players as well, and that's not going to be a, a piece of cake the last game uh, of their group as well. But the reality is these teams are going to have to have a plan right. for, you know, Davies and Buchanan and all the key players for Canada. And, and that was one of the fun things about seeing the game at the Azteca, seeing it live, was just seeing exactly how much they were trying to prevent Davies from getting the ball because like they knew that that was a guy that was going to kill them. That's and the in guy the that end, hurt us. He still, yeah. he still got an assist on, on the goal. He still almost got the winner late in stoppage time in the second half. So even with everything they did to try and stop him, right. It's kind of like, you know, NHL teams, if you're trying to stop Connor McDavid, right. Yeah, yeah. You can throw all your best checkers on him, but you know what? If you've got that type of 
speed and skill mm-hmm. and the combination of both, there's only so much you can do. And that's, that's where Davies, I mean, he's one of the fastest of, of the best players in the world. And he's one of the 25 best players in the world. He would be probably top two along with Mbappe in France in terms of the fastest. So not only are you dealing with somebody that's super skilled, but you can't handle that type of pace. So that's that's the exciting thing is just seeing, okay, how is this going to go um, from a tactical perspective going over there and just knowing that these teams are going to have to really game plan to shut some of our best players down. So, yeah, we're just not we're not just going to make up the numbers. Canada doesn't come out of the group. I, I'd like to see a score, okay? I'd like to see a, see us win a game. Right. And then next, yeah, you'd like to see us get out of the group. And anything else is is gravy. But even if we win a game and score some goals and scare some teams and finish third in the group, you'd say, okay, you know what? That was a pretty good experience. See you in four years. Right. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, you mentioned here on Thursday, so the day that this is going to come out, uh, we will find out exactly which cities are hosting everything. The report There was a report, though, last week that said in Canada, it'll be just Toronto and Vancouver. Yeah. You were at games in Edmonton. Are you surprised Edmonton's not getting a look at it? Because as far back as I can remember, even before I was really following this, Edmonton has shown up for for women's soccer, for yeah. junior soccer. Were you surprised Edmonton, by all accounts, is not going to get a look at this? Yeah, look, I'm from Edmonton, yeah. so obviously uh, biased. I think they would have done a terrific job. There's no question. Um, I also understand that, you know, this is this is the biggest event in the world, right? right? Yeah. And, and you're talking about 16 cities, and in the end, this is not about just how the people of the city will embrace it, which I have no doubt if the World Cup was having games in Edmonton, they would yes. embrace it. They would be a great host city. They've hosted big events before from Universiad to the Commonwealth Games to the World Track and Field Championships mm-hmm. in 2001 to... You know, World Juniors isn't as big, but, you know, they've hosted yeah, a lot yeah. of, you know, I think probably that World Track and Field Championship, I mean, that that's as big as it gets. Sure, right? yeah. So they have hosted big events. You know, it's sad. It's unfortunate. I wish there would be three Canadian cities. But if if you look at things from a logistics standpoint, right, these games are going to sell out. Every game is going to sell out at that World Cup. Yeah. Just like every game is going to sell out in Qatar. So it doesn't doesn't matter if you put the games in Edmonton, in Kansas City, in Chicago, in LA, in Yellowknife. People are going to go, the tickets are going to sell, and it's going to sell out. So it's all about logistics, right? I mean, I know from going to this event that logistics matter. Yeah. Hotel rooms, yeah. flights. It's all like when they put the Super Bowl in Jacksonville and there was no room for any, but no hotels, right? Well, for any. well Edmonton, <laughs> one of the biggest problems, and we deal with this here too, and it pisses me off, quite frankly, is the lack of flight. We're, we're the capital city. Yeah. And basically, if you're flying out of Ottawa, you're you're, a, you're pretty much going to Pearson. Yep. Like the, the lack of direct flights. You know, you're right about from, that. Yeah. From Ottawa and Edmonton. Yeah. To me... Uh, is a travesty, and and that needs to change. But you know that the, that's the reality: is availability of flights. Like if if all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to host a a game in the second round, and someone is like, "Okay, I'm in 
I'm in Miami, and now yeah, the world our, our is next coming. Game yes, is in Edmonton. Well, okay, where are you flying? Well, you're flying Miami, Miami to Minneapolis, <laughs> yeah, Minneapolis yeah. to Calgary, yeah. Calgary to Edmonton. Okay, what's the hotel situation like? Well, yeah. we don't have uh, you know as many rooms as you'd have in Miami, right? Like yeah. the reality is, you're not just up against you know Toronto and Vancouver. It would not surprise me if Vancouver is the smallest city of the 16. Hmm. Like, we'll see. Maybe a Kansas City gets in. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's going to be dominated. Chicago pulled out. Did they? So, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah, Chicago pulled out, so they're not in. But it's going to be Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., Dallas, Atlanta, Miami, New York. Right. Probably, like, the, the D.C. bid, they're actually not going to play games at FedEx Field. The games would be... In Baltimore, okay, where the Ravens play, yeah, and but Washington would be the host city with Baltimore hosting the game. So, like, we're we're talking about yeah, world class cities, cities that yeah. are like all around the size of Toronto, yeah, or bigger, right? Yeah. In terms of their metro area, I mean, n- none of these cities, and and then Monterey, Guadalajara, Mexico City. I mean, all these cities, metro area are like five million plus. Yeah, Edmonton's a million five. So while I Wish they would have had it, and I totally would have supported it, mm-hmm. especially, you know, as a guy that is born and raised in Edmonton, and I'm passionate about that city, just like I'm passionate about Ottawa. I also understand that this is the biggest event in the world, and if you have 16 cities that you think work better logistically with flights, hotels, transportation, stadium, all that type of stuff, then, hey, it is what it is. Yep. Yeah, it, it's interesting, and honestly, I... I wouldn't have envisioned a year ago that I would be this interested in how all this is is playing out, but it just kind of, it grabbed a hold of you. Do you think that uh, the cancelled game against Iran, politically, whatever, whether it should have ever been scheduled, should have been cancelled, you think it hurts them to have lost that game as far as their prep goes for this World Cup? Yeah, it's the summer. Like England just lost 4-0 to Hungary, right? Yeah. So, (laughs) I, I mean, it doesn't help. Yeah. But... You know, we're in June, tournament's in November. Yeah. A lot can happen between now and then. Um, I, I think they need a much better window. I mean, they, they came out the next game, played Curacao, who's actually a pretty decent side, and hammered them. Right. But then went to Honduras and played in the worst conditions imaginable, where it was basically <laughs> a monsoon and, uh, you know. Like I you said, so, the house of horrors. Oh, no, it was, it was a nightmare just watching <laughs> that game. And they ended up losing. But I, I, the next night, the U.S. was playing in virtually the same conditions, horrible weather in El Salvador and monsoon-type conditions, and they were losing 1-0 until stoppage time and ended up tying it. So d- does that mean all of a sudden I right. don't think the U.S. is going to be good in the World Cup? I mean, in, in the end, they, they need a better window in September, but I, I think this group has shown that They've played enough games together over the. It's not like they haven't played a bunch of games together. They've played more games than anyone yeah. because they had to get through this crazy qualifying. Like because of COVID, they changed the system and and they ended up playing twenty games to get to the World Cup, yeah. which to go along with their own club schedule, right? Mm-hmm. It's a ton of soccer. Like the windows for them were just absolutely brutal. The international windows where they had to play three games in, in seven days in right in the middle of, right? You're, you're playing in Europe. So if you're like Alfonso Davies or Jonathan David, you're playing in Europe, you're playing in, in, in the European competitions as well. So you play your league game on the weekend. 
Then you play like Champions League midweek, league on the weekend, right? And you're going, and then all of a sudden, international break hits. And so you're playing twice a week. You fly El Salvador or fly something. Fly across <laughs> the continent, right? Yeah. You, then, then you play one game, then you fly to another spot in North America, to a third spot in North America, and playing three games in seven days, and then you fly back to Europe. Right. And you're getting right back into it. It's not like you get a week or two off no. as soon as you get back. No, you're right back into it. And, and the players complain about the FIFA international window, and I think it's a little more ridiculous now because they were trying to fit everything in yeah. for qualifying because of COVID, right? Because a lot of it was cancelled and postponed sure. yeah, until the time back. that they could play. And, and it actually, like, is, as much as... You know, you talk about the Qatar World Cup and the good and the bad of it and, you know, how they got it in the first place and the migrant <laughs> workers and people dying and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot that that is unsavory about it. Mm-hmm. But in the end, having it in November and December, and the reason it's in November and December, the first World Cup ever that isn't in this time period, in yeah. June and July, is because of the weather. The heat. And yeah. in the end, it might have saved their bacon a little bit because they had more time to... To finish the qualifying. That's true, yeah. And so it, it hopefully works out in the end. I mean, we'll see what the world is like in November, December. You never know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but by then, I, if you, look, let's put it this way. If they crash out of the World Cup in November, December, it, it's not because they had a terrible window in June. Okay. Uh, why don't we move over and talk a little bit about the CFL? Uh, the season is underway. The uh, Red Blacks had a pretty brutal draw on uh, as far as the schedule maker goes, um, and uh, they started in Winnipeg against the Champs. They're coming home for the home opener, also against the Champs. So uh, right now, zero and one as as we sit here tonight. Before I get into asking you about the team and, and the league and everything, one of the last things that we got hung up on here while they were going through their CBA and and trying to get everything put back together and get everybody on the field was this ratio, this Canadians versus Americans and imports and everything that goes on with that. Can you just explain to the audience and actually to me just a little bit what that final thing was that they were hung up on and how they've resolved it oh. here in terms of service time makes you a Canadian and like what what happened here? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even really want to go through the whole <laughs> nausea of like what happened and what they got hung up on. I mean, in the end, the players ended up voting down their own players association deal that their bargaining committee had had uh had recommended and so then they had to go back to the bargaining table and then the, the owners offered what they had because basically they were deciding between two proposals in terms of Canadians and Americans and they chose the proposal that was put forth by the players association and then the players ended up voting that down. So then the owner said, okay, well, if you don't like that one, here's ours. Right. And so, yeah, it got into a bit of a schmozzle, but, uh, here's the bottom line. I, I think, and I'm not sure it went enough in the right direction, but I do, do think there at least was a little bit. We'll see how it plays out because it's not playing out this year. Well, it's going to play out next year with this veteran American. That's the first year it's going to come in. But the biggest problem for the Canadian Football League, for me, and I think for a lot of fans, is the player to- turnover. And the reason you have so much player turnover is because, look, with the ratio, you have, you have I don't want to say you have an infinite amount of players from the United States, especially at certain positions like quarterback, for example. Uh, offensive tackle is another where, you know, it's it's not exactly 
a position where you've got really good ones coming off the assembly line. Doesn't matter what you're doing. The, mm-hmm. the problem and the reason why you've seen more defense in the game is there's a lot of good, for example, there's a lot of really good DBs. Right. So if you're an all-star defensive back that's American, your team can say, well, okay, yeah, you're great, all that stuff, but we can find somebody to come up here for the league minimum and take your spot. So thanks for coming out. See you later. And you can go and test the market. And I think that's BS. Right. Like, I think there's, there's a lot of people that contribute to these communities. And I think when they do commit to playing here for a number of years, they should be treated differently. Should they be treated the same as a Canadian? Maybe not, but you know, that's where this naturalized American comes in. And so essentially the idea for those who aren't familiar is like, obviously you have to dress a certain amount of Canadians and Canadians have to take a certain amount of snaps. The idea would be to reward some of these guys who've put in their time in a certain market or in the league and say, we will treat you similar to a Canadian and you, which yeah. makes you more valuable to your team, right? Like you, you, because, because a lot of teams have said, okay, we've got a, we, ha- because there's only so many quality Canadians and yep. it's getting better, yep. right? Like it is getting better. I, I think it's going to continue to get better, especially as more get opportunities to play south of the border and the NCAA. I mean, you look at the Red Blacks and, you know, on opening night, Alonzo Adai is going to start. It's a second game. It's the second game in the CFL. And he literally got here late. So this is a guy that they drafted last year, but because of the COVID rules, he could go back to West Virginia as a senior. He started as a junior, started as a senior, ended up going to Arizona minicamp because he didn't get drafted to the NFL. Right. Got released there and then came up and, and signed right after that with the Red Blacks, which was halfway through camp. He didn't even, he signed right before their first preseason game. So he missed their first preseason game plays like basically at camp for a week, plays in Montreal, gets an interception, absolutely devastating hit <laughs> um, that that was probably the best physical play that we saw all preseason and played a little bit last week and now he's going to start this week, partially because, uh, you know, Justin Howell yeah. got injured last week, so he's going to start at safety. So... You're going to have more of those types of players, which is good. That's going to improve the Canadian talent. But the reality is there's still way more quality American football players. Sure. And so, look, I'm uh, said it here already on the podcast. You know, I'm very patriotic guy. Yep. Wear my Canadian heart on my sleeve, all that type of stuff. But I'll, I'll say this. Canadians versus Americans, I, I, I don't like the way Americans have been treated in this league versus Canadians, in my opinion. And and I think it needed a change. And we'll see if this is going to be enough. I would have liked to have seen it a little bit more. And that's not me saying, well, I don't want to see Canadian starters. No. no. I, I, I want to see the same amount on the roster. Um, would I have tweaked the starters? I, I, I might have tweaked something a little bit. Like, I had a bit of a 6-4 and four rule, which was, okay, you know what? You need at least six Canadian starters. Right now you need seven. Right. And you need at least four guys that could be either Canadian, global, or veteran American. Right. And and the reality is if you if you dressed, let's say you went with six and four, right? You're still dressing the same amount of Canadians. So if you go six and four, that only leaves you one other spot for if let so 
that that leaves you one other spot for an American on your team. So if you've got an American kick returner and an American punter, for example, like the Ottawa Red Blacks have, right. then they wouldn't be able to use all those veteran Americans. They'd have to use one of those spots, one of those four spots on the Canadian, right? right? It okay. gives yeah. it just gives you the option. Yeah. But that way the six and four, and right now veteran Americans are viewed as um, three years with one team or five years in the league. And I like that. I yeah. think that means, okay, guess what? You're three years on one team. You stay here, you're going to be treated as a veteran American. You go elsewhere, you got two more years. Yeah, you're incentivized to stay yeah, in your market. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And look, if you've played in the league for five years, you should be treated as a naturalized Canadian wherever you play. Right. So I, I think that works well, but I think, I don't know, we'll see. It's all about percentages and they can play like 49% of the snaps, and but it's over the course of the season. And so it's like, it's a little convoluted to me. Right. Like, I don't want to sit at a game with my calculator. No, I'm not keeping track oh, at, week to week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like to me, it's. Oh, we still uh, need but, this percentage of snaps. <laughs> but you know what? It's a step in the right direction. And if it means that more Americans are treated better in the sense that they're not just thrown to the scrap heap. It's like, no, we kind of need this guy, right? We yeah. we need this guy because he he's going to help us and he's going to get us to this number. That's good because it's not just about the football. It's about the community. Sure, yeah. It's about the – you don't think Sherrod Baltimore helps out this community? Right. Holding a free football camp? Yep, yep. And, and, and doing that do, – putting all the legwork in to, to give back and, and R.J. Harris and – and all the other players that that have been here, and, and like I could go, too many Americans on the Red Blacks were forced to leave after two or three years. That that were really good players or people from Moton Hopkins to Domaso Munoz to you know Ernest Jackson to uh, I mean I can just go on and on and on. Brandon Thompson, uh, Jermaine Robinson, Abdul Kenna eventually, right? I mean, sure. they're just kind of like in and out. Yeah. You get them for a couple of years and out. Well, that's no way to build in terms of your franchise because it's about community, especially in the Canadian Football League. These players are accessible. You can go, you know, that that's one of the things I love about, you know, the sports that I call Blackjacks, Red Blacks, Atletico Ottawa. I mean, there there is a legitimate connection between the fans and the players. You can go down onto the field after games and mingle with the players and get to know them. You can go to a quarter black, quarterback club and and get to know them, right? So, um, but you, you don't want to just see people moving in and out of town and all right, two years and gone, two years and gone. No, you want you want to see people build roots here. Um, you know, Steph Jones, Mark Cosmos, all the other, you know, Val Belcher, all those players that that were here during the Rough Rider era that came, you know, from the United States and decided to make. Ottawa, their home, and 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 did for a long, long time, right? So, yeah. and and planted roots here, and gave back to the community, and gave back in terms of businesses, and and so, and even as a fan, right? Like to go buy a jersey of a guy that yeah. I don't know, he might be gone next season. Like you don't you, want to buy a new jersey every year. No, I don't. Player. Right, and so like for years um, before I moved up here, obviously I grew up cheering for the Argos, and long after he retired more than anything else. And I did it myself. I bought, I had a pinball jersey because it's safe, right? That'll keep, he's always going to be beloved here. It's, it's fine, right? You would see Flutie jerseys in the stands and and things like that. It was too hard to buy 
jerseys for the guys playing right now because I don't know how long he's going to be here, right? And and you kind of, I don't know, you, you saw that a lot, especially in the early years of the Red Blacks. There was turnover just because that first year was, you know, a little rough. It was an expansion franchise and stuff like that. And it got easier, right? Like a Sinopoli, a Henry Burris, like these were going to be fine. Like these were guys that the, were always going to be beloved here. But as you started to move forward and rebuild, yeah, you want to find a way to to make fans feel like these guys that I'm investing in, it's not just the the logo, it's not just the hat or the yeah. whatever. I want to see these guys be Red Blacks for a long time. 100%. Yeah. So that, hopefully, we'll, we'll see how it works next year. Like, you know, I can sit here and tell you how it's going to be next year with a 49% because, again, they're going to have the opportunity. It's kind of like five and a half spots versus, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that Canadians Some have to play for sure. Right. But, you know, basically Americans are, are going to have the opportunity if they're a veteran American. Again, there's going to be a couple of them that can play. One can play like a full amount of snaps and a couple can play 49% of snaps. But I think, I don't know. I don't even know how it's going to work. It's right. clunky. It's it's convoluted. Like, I think there there were different ways to do it that would have been a little bit better. But in the end, well, anything you know either, they're playing football. Yes. So if, if it doesn't work, if, if it looks like it's not working next year, then hopefully they can tweak it a little bit just to their liking where it isn't so convoluted. But that's it. Like, I, I consider myself a reasonably knowledgeable sports fan, and I look at this and go, I don't know, right? Like, well, I, I don't know I how to broadcast their games. Right. And I honestly, like... It, you don't I, want things to be no this complicated. How this is going to work, right? And I don't even think they've they haven't even really explained it all that well. No, I I, I think they kind of know how it's going to work, but I think they're kind of kicking the can down the road and just saying, okay, you know what? Let's just get twenty twenty two out of the way. Yes. And we'll work out all we'll the kinks and details <laughs> before twenty twenty three. Over the course of the off season, they completely revamped this team, both in the front office and on the field. Uh, new general manager Sean Burke. Uh, comes in and the the big uh, big name signing that they make over the course of the offseason is at quarterback with Jeremiah Masoli coming in here. But they there's a ton of new names. Um, the team is 0-1 right now, but they put a hell of a scare into the champs, played a good game, made just a couple mistakes that kind of lost them, but uh, lost them that game. But I thought they looked good against a very stiff test in the beginning. What do you make of this team here in the early going and the changes that they have made? Yeah, I'm encouraged. I mean, the first game was frustrating because they all played Winnipeg and they deserved a better fate. They made huge mistakes from, you know, one drop pass that could have been a touchdown to one dropped interception that could have been a touchdown. That last to, drive for Winnipeg in the fourth, a couple well, of shitty penalties that kind of paved the path. Well, I, you know. What about the clock management at the end of the at first, the quarter, first right? half? First yeah, or, half, so yeah, yeah, no. It, that, that's what are you doing? Three points that yep, you missed yep. away. You, you look at they had a third and short, third and about a foot that they missed. Yeah, right. Like that should you should get that in your sleep in the CFL with defenses a yard off the ball. So that was a disappointment. Too many penalties on special teams, mm-hmm. and and they took the champs with all that. Right. Yeah. With all that, they took the champs who returned nine all stars. Like, it's not like this is a team that is completely new. They they return basically three all-stars on their own line. Yeah. All, the MOP at quarterback. You brought in Greg Ellingson. You, you lost Kenny Lawler, but you brought in Greg Ellingson, and he looks pretty good, mm-hmm. as always, right? Yes, for sure. You, you've got probably the best defensive player in the league in Willie Jefferson, right? So you've got – this is a legit team. Mm-hmm. And they 
they physically imposed their will on them in that football game, in particular in the first half. But throughout that football game, this is a Winnipeg team that has dominated teams over the last two years, and in particular in the trenches. And Ottawa held their own. So I'm encouraged because, you know, games are won and lost in the trenches, and I think on both sides, O-line, D-line, they, they came they came up really strong, but they need to clean up some of those mistakes, which you think should happen as the season progresses. You should be able to, if you're making some of the same mistakes that you made in week one and right. say week nine, then you'll say, well, why are you guys still making these same mistakes that are costing you football games? But for week one, you know, disappointing that you didn't get a win because I think they should have. But, boy, if they can clean some of those things up, don't expect a perfect game. No. And, and physically dominate again this week or, or even come close to that. Man, if you get a split against Winnipeg to start the season, that would be huge. So it's a different football team. It's a different vibe around the team. Although, look, they won their home opener the last two years. So that's true. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, it's it's kind and of only wild got three wins did, out of those. Right? Yeah, yeah. But um, this year they didn't. If you get a split, all right, there you go. Now you're done with Winnipeg, and you know, game on. So and they didn't see Winnipeg at all last year, did no, they? In the split schedule. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> Saskatchewan's not here for the second straight year. We don't go to Calgary for the second straight year. Um, you know, which is Weird. ridiculous. Like yeah. I, you know what? I get it. If you want to take away games and from West East, which I don't think you need to, then fine. Okay, you know what? You want ten within your side and eight on the other side which is what it is right now versus eight and 10. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You can do that. I don't think we need to see Hamilton three, t- like it's four, three and three, 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 three and two would have been fine right. to see In Saskatchewan twice yeah. and Calgary twice. Right. You know, but it is what it is. That being said, if you're going to have one team rotate in and out, like, okay, fine. So four Western teams, are here every five years, rotate the team that you're missing, right? Yes. Why are you rotating Saskatchewan out two years in a row? Like, if I was the business management uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks, business people, like... I want Saskatchewan here. I'm pissed off. Yeah. That two years in a row, the the team that sells the most tickets around the league isn't here. Like, that's unacceptable. So, I, I... you know, I wasn't letting Randy Ambrosi off the hook with that one. He gave a BS answer, <laughs> I thought. I, I don't mind Randy, but I think he takes a lot of heat. Yes, he It's does. a tough job. Yeah. But I, I, the scheduling, like, give me a better answer than, oh, well, you know what? Scheduling's hard. I get it. Scheduling's <laughs> hard. You want me to do the schedule? Like, I'll if, figure if it's it that out, hard, yeah. I'll figure it out and I'll get Saskatchewan here right. the year after they weren't. Right. Simple as that. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And, 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 well, move on from there, but but you got other leagues with thirty-two teams happen. in them. You can't figure out a nine-team. I get it. It's odd numbers. It's a different. I know Saskatchewan fi- fans here. Yes. I'd be pissed. Yes. No. I'd be pissed. Right? Yeah. They haven't been here since twenty nineteen. Figure it out. That's the big shoe in the league, right? Like if the Leafs aren't going to Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, those teams, in terms of business, are pissed. Right, their fans might not be, but they're... yeah, well, those teams sell out, so I wouldn't. You know what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah. Like the, that's a draw that people want to no, come into you know their. What? No one cares about the Leafs. Oh, the okay. Sorry, Matt. Jeez, <laughs> fair enough. It's my own fault. I, I I knew what I was doing there, bringing that up. Look, it's uh, you're right though. Not having Saskatchewan here is is unbelievable, and and you know, not seeing Winnipeg at all last year and then seeing them yeah. first two weeks of the schedule this year. Oh, well, they're making up for it. I guess so. Getting to see Winnipeg plenty. Um, 
what are some names you think that people aren't talking about enough as we, you know, we're a weekend, but as we start this this schedule, what are some names that people are going to get to know really fast on this Red Blacks team that we don't know right now? Yeah, I, I mean, well, here's the thing. I mean, starts with Jeremiah Masoli. I, I thought... I thought he was awesome in week one. He really looked good. Yeah. And it was nice to have a guy who could go long. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Sling it out there. People, accurate, quick decisions. Yeah. Just looked like he was in control. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's what you want. You, that's why it's important to have a veteran quarterback for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a tough position. Sure. It's the toughest position in sports and the most important in sports, in my opinion. It's a provocative I statement. Think, I, I don't even think it's close. Okay. Like some people say goalie in, in hockey. I mean, Starting with pitcher, all due respect, goalie. David Ayers. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, I know I'm, I know it's a... Look, at least it wasn't a playoff game, yeah. right? No, but seriously, with all due respect, and I'm not saying David Ayers could come in and the Zamboni play 50 driver. games, right? No, of course. But David Ayers came in, finished a game. Like, yep. David Ayers isn't going in if Tom Brady's hurt. No. And... and <laughs> Leading the team to victory. No, like it's a complete disaster. <laughs> no, right Look that. at the game when the Broncos didn't have their quarterback. Oh my god! Like yeah. they were, like they were a complete disaster. Yes. So, like to me, it is the most important position in sports, and it's a position that you know has been a problem for the Ottawa Red Blacks since Trevor Harris left. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just he just looks totally changes the offense, and yeah. so that's. That's good. The old line, totally which was the revamped. biggest problem on yeah. this team last year, and they had some good old linemen. I mean, Mark Cordy, fantastic player, and he went and signed back with Edmonton to to be uh, closer to home. And you know, Nolan McMillan retired, but you know, they just didn't have enough on that offensive line. There were guys that started last year that that got cut or are on the practice roster this year, right? Yeah. So it's a completely different old line, and. And and they've got you know slotting is I, I'm a big believer in slotting right, and so if you're a number three receiver, but you're playing as the one, you're in big trouble. You're not going to look good. The people below you aren't going to look good. Right. And and now with Darvin Adams and Jalen Acklin, they have a legitimate one-two punch, and then everything slots into place after that. And they've got some good receivers. Uh, you know, Justin Hardy, who played five years with the Falcons. You he looked good Ryan in week Davis. one, I thought. You got R.J. Harris. Yeah. You've got Shaq Johnson, Nate Bahar. So you've got a lot of depth there. We'll see about the running back position. I like what I've seen from Canadian and Ottawa native Jackson Bennett, but I don't think he's going to go this week due to injury. Um, and William Powell hasn't played yet either. So that's yeah. a position that maybe, uh, you know, depending on health, could you know, use a bit of a boost, but we'll see how Devontae Williams continues to develop. And then, you know, the thing I like about defense, this defense, is the fact that they do have some continuity there, right? They didn't just blow it up and say, okay, we had two back-to-back three-win seasons, you know, we're getting rid of everybody. No, they kept a lot of guys. And the defense had some positives on it through that. No, they were on the field too much. Yes. But they they needed a couple of playmakers. They needed a couple of guys Mm -hmm. that brought a little bit of swagger into that room as well. And I think with Money Hunter and Patrick Levels, they've done that. And to go along with Sherrod Baltimore, Abdul Kenna, Randall Evans, Avery Williams, Cleon Lang, who's come in in much better shape. You know, COVID, that's the other unreported yeah. story, right? Yeah. COVID last year, there are a lot of guys that came in, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds overweight, right? right. So, um, yeah, I, I think... <laughs> 
both oh. into the on onto the field and into the stands. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of us with that COVID body. Yes, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. But yeah. no, I, I think uh, so. Yeah, they've got and, and they've got the special teams is all. You know, you're not going to replace Devonte Dedman, but you've got the best punter in the league in Richie Leone and and one of the best kickers in the league in Lewis Ward. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't call him the best kicker in the league just because, you know, there, there's two or three that are right there with him, Rene Paredes and Boris Beattie. So, like, but he's right there, right? You've got the best punter, top three kicker, um, really good cover teams, best special teams coach in the league as far as I'm concerned, and Bob Dice. You're not going to replace Devontae Dedman, but all the other pieces are in place there. You've got a really good D coordinator in Mike Benavides who the players will go f- through a wall for. And yeah, and, and you've got some continuity there, right? Nine returning starters, whereas it's only two on offense. And really it's only one because Dino Boyd was one of the two last week and Randy Richards, who they brought in, like they basically brought in five new starters on the O-line. So like really if Bahar plays and that that's questionable, yeah, he saw a little bit of time to practice this week, uh, but, but was a little bit nicked up. Like if Bahar doesn't play, they could go with like twelve completely new guys that that weren't on the team last year on right. offense. Which yeah. you just don't see that. Even in twenty fifteen, right? They brought in Sir Vincent Rogers at left tackle, and they brought in he had William Powell at running back and the five receivers, which was Brad Sinopoli, Greg Ellingson, Ernest Jackson, Chris Williams, and Mo Price. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the old line was still the same. Sure. And so like they had some continuity. This team on offense has like barely any, uh, but given the fact that it's one of the worst offenses in CFL history last year, yeah, one of six all time that didn't score one touchdown a game, they scored thirteen and fourteen games. Oh they didn't God. miss it by much, but still missed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think they needed some changes, and 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 it's yeah, like don't even listen to me. Like it's the people that I talk to outside the organization, right? It's one thing internally, you always hear optimism of internally, course, especially yeah. early in the season, yeah. preseason, everyone's got hope, right? 32 teams in the NHL, NFL, all think they're going to the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, when you talk to them in camp. And then, you know, a couple of games are played and reality sudden, slaps yeah, you exactly, in the face. Reality <laughs> sets in. But when you talk to other people around the league, there's a lot of people that think this is a team that could absolutely get to the Grey Cup. So I'm a little more cautious in terms of my predictions. I do think they have a pretty good chance of being a playoff team, but the East, I think there's a lot of parity with Hamilton, Toronto, and Montreal. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a competitive team, but a better team, and certainly the best, we, best we've seen here uh, since at least 2018. Well, as you said, the East looks fascinating, so help me handicap it a little bit. Toronto made some interesting moves. I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is a capable quarterback a you know a fine quarterback I'm not sure he's a game-breaking lead you to a championship quarterback but they've made some guys uh, they've gotten a little older so if guys peak at the right time Toronto might be pretty good if those guys are on their last legs maybe they won't be uh Hamilton still um you know strong team with uh, everything they've got put together out there Montreal I haven't heard an update uh it stand back went down there in week one I don't know how serious that's going to be, but that would be a major blow to them. What do you think of this Eastern Division? Parity. Yeah. That, that's what yeah. I see. And so we'll start with Toronto. Something something just doesn't sell me on Toronto. Right. They didn't look 
great against Ottawa last year. Like they barely squeaked past him a couple of games. McLeod Bethel Thompson, like I think he's a decent CFL quarterback, yeah. but he's, he seems to play all his best games against Ottawa. <laughs> like his record against Ottawa versus the rest of the league is ridiculous. Right. And, and that's not really a good thing for him because his record against the rest of the league isn't very good. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think he's decent. We'll see. Like a lot's going to depend. Like what kind of brand are you getting? Brandon Banks from 2019, or are you getting Brandon Banks from 2021? That's what I'm saying. Andrew, Andrew Harris. Harris from 2019. Yeah. Or are you getting Andrew Harris from 2021? Like uh, it, it's a great unknown because of COVID, right? Yep. Because of COVID, you've you've got you had a bunch of retirements. So you had you had like a I think it was 28 percent rookies. I'd have to. Unfortunately, I don't have my card from last week here. 28% rookies in the CFL in 2021. So you had a lot of turnover. A lot of players retired, decided to take a year off, whatever. Uh, This year it's 16%. So you got a lot of holdovers. But you still have, like, those veteran guys, right? Like Mm -hmm. I talk about Cleon Lang, and they're expecting bigger things from him this year. Yeah. It's a guy who can start at defensive tackle regardless of birth certificate. He, he was just okay last year. He came in 20 pounds overweight, COVID weight, right? So sure. um, th- this year looks like a dominant force right right out of the gate. And and so th- there's somebody that you, you can't judge what he did in 2021. You, like it, it was a great unknown, yeah. right? Because there were so many different variables that you just didn't have before. Right. So... I mean, it's a great unknown for me with Toronto. Banks, Harris, you know, what is Bethel Thompson going to do? What kind of coach is Dinwiddie, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably a decent enough coach that you finish first in the division. You're, you're a decent enough coach. But, you know, is he as good as Orlando Steinauer? Probably not. Not in my opinion no. right now. Not a guy who went to back-to-back great cups. So, yeah, I mean, they're the great unknown to me. I'm not as sold as on – like I see some people having them second or third in their – preseason power rankings and of course they had a buy in week one so yeah let's see what week two brings but i'm not a hundred percent in on on toronto i think they're going to be like look all these teams i think are going to win between eight and eleven games everybody needs ha- hamilton toronto montreal ottawa that wow. that's my sense yeah and and maybe that's gonna injuries be a stressful hit a team hard yeah. And, yeah. and and one of those teams goes to six or seven maybe a team finds a way to really hit their groove and they get to 12 or 13. But my sense is there's not a lot separating uh, the, all four teams. So that, that that's what I kind of see on Toronto. Montreal, um, you know, Stanback's a huge loss. Yeah. Now, he had surgery on his ankle. They say he's possible to come back, that it's not season-ending, okay. per se, but he's going to be out a long time. Yeah. So how long is that? I don't know. Is he out? 12 games? Is he out 14 games? They're hoping to get him back in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. That it's a you know, is are they able to get him back in week nine? I mean, I have no idea, no clue in terms of timeline, but that's a huge loss. It's a team where the owner's talking crap, like he's he's basically saying they're gonna kill Toronto this week. I like it, honestly. Get him fired up, right? It's it's interesting. He's not dull, no, but I mean. When you see that type of stuff, <laughs> look, sometimes the odd works, like Tom Dundon, right? Yep. Some strange yep. things, and Carolina's been pretty good. But generally, it doesn't work. 
generally when you've got an eccentric owner that's talking smack and stuff, it's like, this isn't going to end well. Ottawa and knows I feel this. Like, right, I yeah. feel like there's going to be too much pressure on Kahari Jones, and there's going to be too much pressure on Vernon Adams Jr. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Like To me, they feel like the fourth place team in this division. Well, I had them second. Okay. I did. And then I saw the preseason game. And listen, listen to some of his comments, yeah. Gary Stearns, the owner. Right. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to flip-flop Ottawa and Montreal. Because I, I went Hamilton, uh, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto. Okay. And then... You, you and our buddy Lloydy. Lloydy was here last Friday night for a couple pints. We weren't yeah. on the microphone. And he said the same thing. He said he's got Toronto out and Montreal yeah. in. I, I had it the other way around. I thought, I don't know how good they'll be, but I thought Toronto gets in well, and Montreal right misses. Now, and that's before the standback injury too, right? So With standback... Yeah. Down and with more goofy con- comments, like <laughs> again, like it's interesting. Yes. Lonnie Gleiberman was also interesting. Yes, he so was. That's you know, there's that. Yeah, but yeah, I, You're right. I it's not I'm always kinda, a good. I'm kind of sensing. I, I think maybe Toronto above Montreal right now, but they're going to play this week, and yep. that's the beauty of it, right? Settle yep. it on the field, and and the one thing I've said about the East this year. Tell me your predictions. And and nothing's gonna nothing's gonna be like oh geez you've got that wrong you, right like, nothing's right. gonna be Laughable. so outrageous <laughs> right like some people would think me putting Toronto number four is outrageous and and in the end it might be right yeah because we'll again see. I don't see I see two or three wins between top and bottom yeah I'm just not sold on certain things but if you told me Toronto's one and Hamilton's four I'm not gonna be especially after watching Hamilton and their offense in week one I'd yeah. be like all right. <laughs> Toronto one, Hamilton four. Like that, that's not going to stun me. So, if look, if you tell, told me Edmonton's one and Winnipeg's five, I'd I'd be like you're out to lunch. Right. But in the East, it, it should be very competitive. And the, again, they play each other a ton. Yeah. Probably too much for my liking. Ten games, um, four against Montreal, three against Hamilton, three against Toronto. So those are the games that are really going to decide things, right? I mean, you, you need to pick up some wins elsewhere. You can't just look at the, those 10 and say, well, those are the only ones that are important. No, they're all important. Yeah. And how you do against the West is going to, you know, boost things for sure. But, you know, you're going to have a lot of games to try and separate who the best teams in the East are, and that's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, before we wrap things up, we will take a quick spin out West. We don't got to go through it team by team, but what's caught your eye? Because... Uh, between an interesting uh, and, and really good debut for Nathan Rourke in BC with a full stadium there and a One Direction concert. Not sure if you're a fan. You'll be looking forward One to getting Republic. the One Republic. Oh, you're right. It was One Republic. One Direction. Way, uh, I'm way not old really news. a fan of either, no, but that's I'm okay. Sure. No, you're right. And, uh, Probably One Republic over One Direction. Yeah, though. fair enough, though. And uh, Edmonton, you know, kind of took a, a wicked slap there in week one. Calgary, there was people already talking about uh, maybe the quarterback position isn't as clear cut as it has been in the past. And now an injury has only complicated that, uh, Winnipeg does struggle in week one, but comes away with a, a win. What are you seeing? What's interesting to you in the West? BC Lions. Yeah. Like, I mean, to go through the other four, yeah. uh, Edmonton, you know, Chris Jones is a really good coach. I don't know how good a coach and GM he is. And that, that thing well, that was the most he's, surprising part of week one to me is he's normally a guy who can confuse a young quarterback, right? With the D, he can throw it. And Nathan Rourke was just, psh, I'm I don't know if yeah. he's got the personnel. Yeah. He's got a lot of young guys yeah. on that defense. So, look, I think they're going to get better. 
as the season progresses, they better. <laughs> I mean, that's a market that's not very happy was it, with 59 points? the way they, things have yeah. gone yeah. over the last few years in Edmonton. But yeah, I, I don't think they're anywhere near a playoff team this year. Uh, you know, Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatchewan should be kind of just like last year. Winnipeg, although Saskatchewan looked really good. Their defense looked really good. Uh, Winnipeg, you know, they found a way to win and they're going to be a real solid team. And, and Calgary, I mean, obviously we'll see on Bo Levi Mitchell's health. Yeah. Looks like he's going to be good to go. He was, uh, doing drills this week. So that's, there's been people already calling out for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And they, they do have a good backup in Jake Mayer. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, for me, the story of the West and the story of the CFL in week one was the BC Lions. Yeah. On the field and, and more importantly, off the field, because this is a league, you know, I talked about like the three biggest markets, right? You got Toronto where it's Man. pretty much non-existent yep. and, and it sucks because I feel like MLSE, I don't disagree. I don't know if you saw Larry Tannenbaum's comments, yep. but basically saying that for all intents and purposes, they're not really on the same page with a lot of the no. other owners in the league when it comes to the direction you know, it's clear what he meant, you know, the XFL Mm -hmm. dalliance, right. Where, you know, they, they look to maybe do something there. It's clear. They want to do something with four down football in Toronto and with, you know, an American presence. And and I I just don't think that's going to matter either. Unless it's NFL. I just don't think Toronto's hard to say, hard to say. We'll see what the XFL. I got to be honest with you, AJ. I went to a pile of Argo games. I love the Argos growing up. I really thought, I didn't think it would necessarily make it huge in Toronto. I thought the move to BMO would be bigger than it's turned out to be. I have, really thought it would help. They actually put some effort in. Like, uh, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's my, where I'm getting to on Toronto here, is they actually have to put some effort in. Because, right. like, you can say all that. You can say, well, maybe maybe we should have gone and done something with the XFL and four down football and whatever. But the reality is, until you actually put in an honest effort and do some of the things that BC is doing. Right. right? And that's where I'm going here. Yeah. Like the Toronto and Montreal kind of joined at the hip. Gary Stern was brought into the league as new ownership in Montreal um, at the request of people from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Mm. So, you know, if if this is a disaster in Montreal, it's not about (laughs) who the league decided they no. wanted to sell to. It's about who Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment yeah. wanted as the owner there. The new and guys that, themselves. And that's the unfortunate part, right? They're yep. kind of, uh, you know, who's, who's wagging, is, is the dog wagging the tail or, or vice versa, right? Yeah. So, well, and that was one of the big stories for me, even through these negotiations for the CBA and everything. Can you imagine being someone in Saskatchewan sending checks yeah. to MLSE? What a bad look. Yeah, like, for I, sure. Uh, so... Anyways, well, we're, I mean, Toronto, it kind of feels like there's not even a pulse there. No. But they haven't put in an effort. Right. Montreal and BC, even through the struggles of the last few years, and, you know, going on the road and getting into these cities, you, you talk to a lot of people there, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to cab drivers. You talk to people in the hotel. You sure. talk to people in restaurants and bars and just, you know, fans on the street, right? You talk to regular people, and a lot of people in Toronto are like, Oh, Argos? Well, who are they? Kind yep. of thing, right? Yep. Whereas Montreal and BC, you know, even though interest was waning, it was still, you know, people. if you mentioned you were here for a BC Lions game, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Right, yes. Like, yeah, football game will be on the television, whatever. Um, so, like, you knew 
they had some hope. And when new ownership went in there and Amar Dolman, he's put in the effort and so far, right, it's paid off. Yep. And, you know, look, you're not going to get one Republic for every game. <laughs> or but, One Direction. <laughs> but to have 34000 for the first game, and I was talking to Julio Caravada last week, right after the game, a couple of days after, and basically he said, you know, they would have sold a lot more, but they basically capped it there because they didn't have enough staff and they didn't want mm. 45,000 people there when they were only staffed for 35. Got to come and have a bad experience. And, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you go yeah. and wait for a beer for 30 minutes yeah. in line, right? No. So because yeah. it wasn't staffed properly. You got 39,000 people to come in, see if cool concert and your team laid an ass kicking on somebody. You're getting some of those people to come back. They had a great game. So yeah, no, that's on the field off there. Like the, the Nathan Rourke story, it's fantastic. I mean, it would be great to see a Canadian quarterback that is a star in this league Yep, and and can play. And in my conversations with Julio Caravada, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the second last Canadian starter in the league, the last being Brandon Bridge, mm-hmm. but Julio was there in BC. So he knows a lot about the position Yeah, and he's the color voice of the lions. And, and he said, look, he's for real. This is not a flash in the pan. And he thinks, you know, maybe has a chance if he does well, like he's got the pedigree, he played in Mac at, at, at Ohio. That's a pretty big university. He's, you know, there's maybe the possibility that he could go down South and test the NFL mm-hmm. when he's done, but one step at a time. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, fantastic for them. I, I'm happy to see it. I hope BC has a really good year this year. I hope they make the playoffs. I hope they have crowds every week of 20, 25,000 plus. And that, that would be fantastic for the business of the Canadian football league. And, you know, hopefully a healthy Montreal and we'll see with Toronto. I mean, I don't have a lot of hope if, if they're not going to put any effort into it. Right. Yeah. MLSE put the bloody logo even on your office. Like <laughs> yes. you've got, you've got the Raptors, you've got the Leafs, you've got TFC, you've even, you you've even got the, the, Marley's. Uh, the Marley's logo yes. up. Yep. And yet you don't have the Argos logo up. Yep. How difficult is that? Right. Like at least pretend that you care. Right. So yeah, I mean, look, I, if it doesn't work under MLSE, I mean, who it's would buy gonna, it? It's not going to. Who would buy it? I mean, but at least give it an effort. Yeah, And when you see what's happening in BC, you see a bit of a template. Okay, you know what? That's how you go about selling something in a market where you do have a lot of competition for entertainment dollars, right? Right. And in particular, in those cities, in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, there is a lot of sports competition. Not as much as, as Toronto, I get that. Right. But... Man, there's, there's 8 million people yes. in the GTA. Yeah. You should be able to get 20,000, right? I'm, uh, no one's saying you got to get 30,000. You should be able to get 20,000 20, yes. for nine home games in a city of 8 million. Because it is a cool place to see an event too. Like it to is, go down there. Place. Yeah. Like you, there's there's no reason that they can't get 20,000 people out of several million to come down and, and check that out. But you're right. It, there's no billboards, right? There's no... You just never even know they exist if you roll into Union Station or whatever downtown. It's it's and it bums me out. I grew up an Argo fan when I when I moved to Ottawa in 2012. You know the Red Blacks thing was just getting started. It was new. It was exciting. I yeah. knew I was never going to become a Senators fan, but I was pretty sure I could get on board and be part of the the new 
football team, well, right? That's good. The, you know what? It'd be nice if he'd go two for two, but it's that's okay. not happening. There's, it's there's okay. just no chance. You know what? <laughs> One for two is better than zero for two. Certain things are ingrained in you heavier than you others. Can keep right? cheering for the Sacramento Kings of the NHL <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> That's a pretty damning, uh, pretty damning reference. We'll start to wind things down here, AJ. What uh, you're calling action for three teams right now? What's the next week or two look like for you here? Yeah, it's. I, I mean, uh, Blackjacks have quite a few home games. They uh, play Guelph this Thursday night, and then uh, home games Tuesday and Thursday. Excited to see how they're going to look uh, under their new interim head coach, James Darrowin, who's the head of the Ottawa GGs program, and. Not a great start to the season. 0-3, they fired the coach. And, you know, 1-1 one and one on the road, they went uh, under Jimmy. So we'll see. You know, he's done a great job with the GG's program on the men's side. And see how he does with, with this group. It's it's a big year for them because they're hosting CEBL Championship Weekend. So they want to have a good competitive team. And sure. They've got some pretty good players. Dang Adele's a stud. He played in the NBA with New Orleans, uh, ex-Louisville Cardinal. And he's one of the best players in the league. So worth the price of admission himself, but yeah, excited for those games. Atletico Ottawa, they don't have a home game until July now, Okay, but they're off to a terrific start. 18 points in 10 games, uh, joint tied for first uh, with Pacific FC, so it looks like after, you know, it's tough for them, right? They're launching a team yeah. and then COVID hits, yeah. so they go to the Island games, and they're okay there, but miss the playoffs. Then last year, not very good on the pitch. And and now they're truly launching their team. And the exciting thing for me with Atletico Ottawa is just what the supporters are doing. The Capital City Supporters Group, they've got 400 members already. Hmm. And the atmosphere, right? If you're talking about soccer, you're going to a game, yeah, you want to see good product, entertaining, goals, action, all that type of stuff, quality. But you, you want a good atmosphere as well. Yeah. And it starts with a supporters group, and they've got a good supporters group. They sing start to finish, doesn't matter what the score is. So that that's fantastic. That's great to see. It hasn't been as vibrant in Section W at TD Place really since 2015 when the Ottawa Fury went to the league final and lost to the New York Cosmos with Raul and uh, Marcus Senna and some of the other stars that they had. So that that's great to see. And so, yeah, it's Blackjacks, it's Atletico Ottawa, and it's Red Blacks just every week and excited for their season and should be a fun summer. Well, I know we're catching you on your one-off night this week in between uh, in between calling games, so I can't tell you how much I appreciate you making some time to come in and always for you, Matt. Always for you, and even uh, even in spite of your uh, love of the the, blue team, the the Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) And if not before, we definitely need you to come in after your trip to Qatar on the World Cup and. and tell us how that all went, because that sounds like oh, 100%. between the games and then just the experience of being in Doha and like that part of the world and what the experience, you know, having the yeah. whole world converge there on I, that. I, like speaking of beer, so here's... You're going to bring me back some, the, some Qatari here, beers? Well, <laughs> here's some of the logistics you have to work with. Yeah. Like you are allowed in Qatar to have a drink. Now, you can have a drink in the stadium. I know that. FIFA wasn't going to a World Cup where they couldn't, couldn't have, sell beer, right? With a yeah. beer sponsor, right? I'm pretty sure you can. It's like behind it. security at the airport. You're, it's international waters, basically. Yeah. So, so you're allowed it in the stadium. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it'll be allowed in the FIFA fan zones. Right. Not a hundred percent sure on that, but I would think you know they're going to want to sell yes Budweiser beer, right? Yeah, for sure. And then beyond that, you're allowed beer. 
in the hotels because they are licensed to have it. But there aren't like necessarily bars that you just and, yeah. walk into. The bars are in the hotels. Yeah. Now those are like I've looked at some of the prices. They're generally about twenty bucks a beer. Wow. When you go into those hotels. So it's like Norwegian prices, yeah. right? Yeah. So we've already kind of asked, okay, what about like how do you get beers in your room? Right. right? Just buy a two and four or something. I think yeah. I think you need some sort of license for that. Really? Or permit. <laughs> I think you gotta be an expert. So like this is like we're working on this yeah. already. We well, got okay, six months in advance. <laughs> tickets. I'm, I'm probably going to have accreditation, right? Um, accommodations, all that kind of stuff worked out. But now we've got a few months to figure out the beer situation because you know we're in our room for 18 days. Yeah, there's four of us then, and there's six of us, and then it's back to four of us. Right, because differing times, right? Sure, in yeah. terms of how long people are going, I'm there for 18 days, and look, I. I'm one or two beer guy now. That's sure. That's it for me. But you know, it'd be nice to come back after a day, especially in the heat. Yes. And it's always heat. Yes. <laughs> like it's 25 to 30 in November, December there, which I'm going to be more than happy with. And that's why it's being held in November, December, yes. because it's about 40 degrees there <laughs> right now. But we're, we're going to want the odd cold one yeah. in the fridge, right? Yep. We got an apartment, got a washer dryer, which is fantastic. Gorgeous. What is the beer situation? Right. And so that <laughs> is basically what we have to find out between now and November in terms of obtaining one of these permits. We have bootleg so we Budweiser's can bring and beer yeah. back to our apartment. <laughs> That's wild. I don't think I've ever considered traveling to a place where they wouldn't have no, beer for a vacation. This will be a first for me too, but I would have gone anywhere to see Canada play. For sure. That sounds like an awesome trip anyway. And, uh, and, uh, hopefully you'll come in. You'll tell us all about it. Uh, yeah. you're going to be hosting the show in the middle of the night from over there or are you off for no, those eight? I will not be hosting the show in the middle of the night. I can assure you that. Uh, we'll wind this one down here. Thank you so much, AJ. Appreciate you coming in. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Talking Audio. Make sure you give us a follow there and uh, subscribe wherever you're hearing us right now. There's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. Hit it. You're going to love it. We'll keep the good stuff coming for you. For AJ, my name's Matt. We'll catch you all next time. How was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio. 